All right. So as you know, I love to start off with the history of these things. I can never just dive in and give you the details. You guys know that I think it's important to start off with the history. So we're going to start off with the history of tarot cards. Where did they come from? You know, how did they come to be? So from all the sources that I've seen, tarot seems to have originated in the 1400s somewhere in Italy. There were also cards from the late 1300s that had suits, and they're the same suits that we see today on modern tarot cards, which are the cups, the pentacles, the wands, and the swords. What each suit was called and how it was depicted depended on the region that the cards were created in, but that was the general setup for the suits that we see today on tarot cards. So again, originally, I believe from what I've seen and what I can find that tarot originated somewhere in Italy in the 1400s. The first tarot decks created were more for entertainment purposes than they were for divination. They were sort of a party trick or a game to entertain guests. The cards were expensive to make and mass production wasn't really a thing (laughs) during these time periods. You know, in the 14th and 15th century, they didn't have uh, the mass production capabilities that we have today. So only really well-to-do people had them. And that's primarily why it was a parlor game more than anything else. It was, oh, Let's break out these fun cards and I'll regale you with whatever games that we're going to play. The early decks even had these trump cards, which today would be considered the major arcana. So the structure of the suits and the cards that we know today really weren't too far off from the original creations. And as the playing cards evolved and different games were invented, people started using regular playing cards to play the game called Game of Triumphs. That's the game that the really well-to-do rich people would play with these cards. It was called Game of Triumphs, and that's where you get the trump cards from, the triumph cards. This brings us to the evolution of the word tarot. Once people began using the term triumph to refer to just regular playing cards and not the actual, you know, fancy schmancy cards that they had, the term I believe I'm going to I'm going to try to say this right. The term taroki, it's spelled T A R O C C H I. Taroki started being used to refer to the cards instead. So remember, we're still in a really Italian Renaissance state of mind here. So taroki is the original word for tarot. And I may be butchering that pronunciation. I I'm actually really bad at figuring out how to pronounce words, so I apologize if there are any Italian scholars or, (laughs) you know, listening to this or someone who's very fluent in Italian. I do apologize, but that's what we're working with. That's all I got. Again, tarocchi is the original Italian word for tarot. And then the cards also became known as carte de triomphe. (laughs) Then I probably butchered that too. Sorry. I can't help it. I'm not good at this, but that means cards of triumphs. So again, triumph was kind of the main word that tarot had surrounded. That's what the cards meant 
For whatever reason, Trump, Triumph, Game of Triumphs, that's the game they used to play with these cards before it was any sort of divination tool. So as the cards spread throughout the lands and they moved to different parts of the world, we had the German word to rock and eventually the French word tarot. And that's the one that we commonly use today. The cards themselves are a product of the early Italian Renaissance movement. If religious organizations or occult societies picked them up along the way, that's fine, and I'm sure that's accurate to say, but they did not get their origins from those places. It's clear that as tarot has evolved, that religion and mysticism has had a huge impact on the artwork and the meaning of the cards. In my mind, the Italian Renaissance was where the cards were born, but the cards truly came to life and found their meaning as they passed throughout time. So we really see with tarot this evolution of a parlor game that grew into something more. People saw something in it. And it's likely that the occult societies or just general people interested in occult studies noticed or took interest in the original cards because of the Christian symbolism that was latent within them. There was something magical from the start, I'll say, with tarot cards. There was something in the imagery and uh, people just were really drawn to them. These occult societies were really drawn to these cards and then they kind of took on a world of their own, which we'll talk about later. The cards were also a really great way to disguise occult symbolism during a time period when secrecy surrounding those types of studies was really crucial. And as tarot evolved, it became less of an entertainment party trick and more of a serious tool for seeing into the subconscious and exploring your psychological world. I'm not going to go into all the different decks or the winding road to how we got to where we are today, but I do want to give a little background to today's most popular deck and the one I think most people start their tarot journey with, which is the Rider Weight deck. The Rider Weight deck is iconic, just like hands down. So right off the bat, that's what I have to say about Rider Weight. It's iconic. If you are in any sort of spiritual circle or even if you're just astrology base, like if you only typically listen to my podcast for astrology, I am certain you have seen some sort of symbolism or at least one of the cards from the Rider Waite deck at some point in your life. So it's iconic and it's important, but it also has some really interesting and uh, not so cool origins. So let me explain. A dude named A.E. Waite is responsible for putting together and creating the Rider Waite deck. He was said to be a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but his interest mostly centered around Christian mysticism. Somewhere in 1909 to 1910, he created the Rider Waite deck along with Pamela Coleman Smith. And now before we go any further, let's talk about who Pamela was. Pamela Coleman Smith was also a member of the Golden Dawn, which was likely the link between her and Waite. She was also a talented illustrator and illustrated anything from children's books to sheet music during the height of her career. She wasn't your run-of-the-mill illustrator, though. 
She would often use her clairvoyance and go into what would be described as trance states to get inspiration or insights to her work. Her being a sort of medium was really crucial in her work because she would use that skill to tap into otherworldly things and kind of get the downloads, receive the messages. So she used that skill in her art, which I think is really beautiful. Waite hired Smith to do the illustrations for his tarot deck, which would essentially make them partners in this endeavor. I mean, that's what I would think. You'd think, oh, you are the author, I'm the illustrator. There we go. That's our, that's our role together. But that's not exactly how it played out. He paid Smith a flat fee to illustrate the entire deck, and that was it. It was just all the cards, illustrate them, you know, here's, I don't know how much money it was, but like, say, here's a hundred bucks, illustrate them, cool, and then I'm done with you. That was their deal. And then on top of that, so like, she didn't get any royalties or she didn't get any money once the deck was published. It was flat fee, we're done. And then (laughs) to kind of add insult to injury, the publisher's name was listed on the cards, not Smith's. So Pamela Coleman Smith's name was never on these cards. So the writer in Rider Waite is actually referring to the publisher and has nothing to do with Pamela Coleman Smith at all. And if you've ever seen tarot decks named Waite Smith or Rider Waite Smith, that's the modern day correction of a work that should have originally included Smith's name. And it's nice to think that she's like getting credit now, but she definitely got the shaft back in the day. I can't say I'm surprised because this is a time when women's work was definitely not valued the same as men's. So while it's not surprising, it's still disappointing. And I think a lot of people don't know this. I was very shocked when I first learned about this because like you don't think, oh, you know, it's the Rider Waite deck. Why would you not put the illustrator somewhere? Like, give them credit somewhere. It's very strange to me, but that's definitely what happened. So I'm glad she's getting credit now. So if you ever are looking for your first tarot deck and you want, you know, the Rider Waite deck, Rider Waite Smith is the same thing. It just gives her credit. So the deck that Waite and Smith created relied heavily on Christian symbolism, as well as astrological references from their time spent in the Golden Dawn. Their creation proved to be super popular, and the deck was actually pirated in 1916 by another American publisher. So it's just like, hey, that's really popular. I'm going to copy it. I'm going to pirate it. That's pretty much what happened because it did get so popular. And then by 1971, a company called U.S. Games Inc. bought the exclusive rights to the Rider Waite name and brand. All of the original prints and artwork from the deck have been lost or destroyed over the years, so the deck we see being printed today is the best we have for what the original set of cards might have looked like. So what we see today, I'm sure there are changes and alterations here and there, We may never know what the exact original prints that Pamela Coleman Smith had drawn up are, but we can assume that they are probably pretty close to what we see today. Despite its slightly shady beginnings, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck is a staple in our tarot world. 
It has inspired hundreds of spin-off decks, and it's kind of like our initiation into the world of divination. Initiation to divination, I rather like that. <laughs> and honestly, I think it's pretty cool that a woman was the one who illustrated these cards. That's definitely not talked about enough, so I hope that you learn something new in that regard. And I know I personally will continue to refer to the deck as the Rider Waite Smith deck, just because we should give her credit. We should be talking about these women in history, and especially women in a culture, which a cult and culture, that's all that word is. When I say a culture, I'm just talking about the spiritual, mystic world in general. So in a culture, I really feel like women are not valued and they are not talked about, but they did play a big part because a lot of women were mediums. Women are historically very sensitive. And when I mean sensitive, I don't mean emotionally. I mean they're in tune with their intuition. So the fact that Pamela Coleman Smith was uh, tapping into her intuition and, you know, going into that meditative trance state and then doing these drawings, that's, that's very powerful. And no wonder people see such amazing symbolism and they have a connection to these cards. It's no wonder that the Rider Waite symbolism has permeated so many other decks and that people across, you know, varying backgrounds can connect to these cards. And I think it's because there is a really deep-seated spiritual essence to them. So now that we know the history <laughs> of tarot a little bit, and if you want to explore more, I welcome you to. That was really just the highlight, you know, the cliff notes of the history of tarot. I always think that you should know the history of what you're working with because it gives you a reference point and a background. I really think it's important to know those foundations before going into anything spiritual. And sometimes the backgrounds are really shrouded in mystery and we don't know a lot. But with this one, we do. We do know a good bit kind of where tarot came from. So I think it's important to understand that. And that's with anything you do, no matter what form of divination you use or no matter what form of mysticism or religion you're studying, get to know the background, get to know the details because it's important and it honors the traditions. And I'm all about honoring traditions. So know your history. All right, history is out of the way. Let's talk about the tarot basics. Because over the next couple weeks, I'm going to be diving into tarot and talking about the astrological significance of tarot and how astrology and tarot go together so, so well, and how you can use it to further your understanding of yourself, because that's your personal mythology. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you unravel your personal mythology. And tarot is just an extension of yourself. It's nothing more than that. So I really want you to get to know it before you use it if you haven't started using it. And if you have started using it, maybe you'll learn some new things over the next couple of weeks. So the basics, let's get this foundation out of the way. What does arcana mean? Because we have major arcana and we have minor arcana. So the word arcana means secrets or mysteries. So the major arcana is major secrets and minor arcana is minor secrets. There are 22 major arcana cards and 56 minor arcana cards. 
which makes 78 cards in total, and that's for a standard tarot deck. The majors start with the fool and end with the world. The majors are also numbered, so that does mean that there is a little bit of a numerology aspect to this as well. It's not just astrology. I think I'm going to touch on numerology because I know a good many of you have told me that you like numerology and you want to study it more, so I'll probably throw that in. I'll do an episode on numerology and and the tarot. The minors are broken up into four groups of 14, and they also include court cards like the king, the queen, the knight, page, things like that. We'll go over what court cards mean. We're going to get into all that in the coming weeks. Major cards speak to big, long-lasting events, while minor cards are referring to everyday occurrences and things that can pass rather quickly. Majors always carry a little more weight, but minors definitely help to paint the details of the overall message. There are four suits to tarot, which correspond to the four elements. So that's kind of our first segue into uh, astrology, the elements. So cups are water. Pentacles or coins are earth. Swords are air. And wands are fire. Tarot cards of all styles are riddled with symbolism and esoteric meaning. They help us to dive deeper into our subconscious world and to connect with external spiritual forces as well as just our higher selves. So tarot is good for just really telling you what you don't want to see. It's a, it's a good way to hold a mirror up to yourself. And it's also a good way to just reaffirm things that you might already know, but you need that push. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into tarot. And we're going to see how you can use it in tandem with our astrological studies to further our understanding of our personal mythology. So I think I'm going to break it up into, well, first, we're going to start next week with The Fool's Journey, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to tell you the story of The Fool and his journey and the major arcana cards. And then I'll do a little numerology episode and I'll talk about the elements and what most of the cards really stand for. And then we'll get into uh, astrological significance. Where do we see the zodiac signs pop up in these cards? Where do we see the planets pop up in these cards? And how can you use them in tandem with your natal chart or with any sort of astrology, astrological magic, anything to really get a deeper sense of who you are and just where you're going in life? So I hope you're excited for that. This was the quick, dirty rundown. I know many of you probably knew a good bit about this already, but it's never bad to refresh and just kind of lay the groundwork. That's what we did this week. We just laid the groundwork real quick. And then next week, we're going to hit the ground running. So I hope you're ready. If you want more moon content before next week, go find me on Instagram at moonmatters.astro or on Twitter at moonmatters. And a big thank you to all the beautiful, sweet, wonderful patrons who have been supporting the podcast and a big welcome to all the new ones that have signed up. I love you all dearly and there's going to be some special content coming out this week, so look out for that. And one last thing, if you're listening on iTunes, please take a minute to leave a rating or a review. 
that would seriously mean the moon to me. I love seeing your reviews. I love seeing when I get, uh, so, you know, some more stars. Talking about the stars, give me some stars. That's like my little thing. So I would definitely appreciate that. All right, my babes. Later days. Later days.